Okay, we're gonna kiss meeting door. Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's Meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and participate in our scheduled public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our website at qac.org live or on our television channel, Breezeline Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting by going to qac.org slash public comment. Citizens may also email comments to public comment at qac.org. Comments received will be summarized during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge everybody's participation and by attending, you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you do care to speak, please sign the sheet on the information table out in our lobby. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the county commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission Vice President Phil Duminel. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of if you could all please still remain standing. Uh, the county lost an amazing employee uh, this week. Mr. Mark Seidel passed away. I'd like to honor Mr. Seidel and in a moment of silence for him and his family. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, that brings us to the approval of this evening's agenda. So our agenda for today's meeting, October the 10th, along with the regular session minutes, the closed session minutes, the Sanitary Commission minutes, and the Roads Board minutes uh, from our September 26th meeting have all been circulated for review. Do I have any additions and or corrections? A motion to add one additional desk item to the agenda tonight. Second. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? So moved. Then I would like to make a motion to approve the agenda as amended and all the meeting minutes as submitted. Second. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Uh, just quickly before we move on, I just want to um, let everybody know that uh, our commission president, Jim, uh, Moran is absent for this meeting, obviously, as you can see. He's representing our county with the Baltimore-Washington Metropolitan Council there at a conference in, in uh, the great state of Minnesota. So he'll have all kinds of wonderful things to report back to us when he returns. Thank you, Commissioner Dumino. That brings us to uh, press and public comment. So we appreciate all citizens for taking time to express their views to the county commissioners. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, your address, and your topic of interest. And in keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. 
I will remind everybody, please, because we do have a, a packed agenda this evening, that we adhere to those three minutes. If you hear the three-minute alarm go off, just feel free to hand the rest of your message to Margie, and she will make sure that copies are made and sent to the commissioners. So we appreciate that. First up is Mr. David Earhart. Yes, sir. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. Uh, David Earhart. I live in uh, Shrewsbury Farm subdivision here in Centerville. Uh, gentlemen, ma'am, uh, my comments tonight regard the Midshore 3 facility and the Shrewsbury Farm subdivision. In your October 17, 2022 letter to the director of the Maryland Department of the Environment, you stated that the future siting for the Region 3 Phase 3 is consistent with the 2022 Queen Anne County Comprehensive Plan and the 2015-2025 Comprehensive Waste Management Plan. The planned landfill I do not find as consistent with the requirements of Table 4-TAC-1, Paragraph 5 of either the 2004 or 2015 Comprehensive South Solid Waste Management Plan. Specifically, the 1,500 foot from a residence, 2,500 foot from a potable well. To date, using public resources, I have not been able to locate the approved waiver for these public services conditions. I would therefore ask at the next scheduled commissioner's meeting, the county provide for public review the written waiver of table 4-TAC-1 requirements that is allowing a subdivision within these limits. This waiver is required by both the 2004-14, to 2015-25 Comprehensive Solid Waste Management Plan and Title 18, 1-TAC-50 of the Queen Anne County Zoning and Subdivision Regulations. If this waiver cannot be produced, then I believe, in accordance with the Maryland State Article on the Environment, Title 9, TAC 210, all activities regarding this proposed landfill need to be halted until a proper review can be performed. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have Mr. Keith Palmer. Gentlemen, um, I've, I've moved to the county in 1994. My name, is Keith, my name is Keith Palmer. I live on 181 Windrift Lane off of Burrisville Road. You may have seen my lane at, uh, before you turn right to go down Harper Road. I'm here to talk to you and talk to the people in Centerville to understand what's at hand with this uh, sanitary landfill we have before us. I have a BS in geology from the University of Maryland and I understand a little bit about groundwater, a little bit about sedimentation, and I feel strongly that if you took a map of Queen Anne's County and you asked me as a geologist, where would you put a, a landfill that, that takes dump from Kent County, Queen Anne, Centerville, Talbot, Caroline County, four counties, where would you site it in all of, all of Queen Anne's County? And as a geologist, I would look at the map and I'd say, first of all, you should do no harm. You need to put it where you're not gonna impact the people. You need to put it where you're not gonna impact drinking water. You need to put it where you're not gonna impact traffic. And so there's constraints you might say, well, okay, what are we gonna put in this landfill? And I ask you guys this and you say, we're gonna put tires in it. We're gonna put um, sanitary waste from wastewater, which contains toxic metals. You're gonna put asbestos in there, and you're going to put household trash, which includes ethylene glycol that people throw out in their trash. It's highly toxic. 
oil. People are lazy. All this is going into this landfill that is planned for Centerville. It's the worst place you could pick in the whole, whole county. It's in the headwaters, the estuary of Island Creek, which feeds the Chester River. It's a bad idea. It was a bad idea 30 years ago. It's still a bad idea. Geologically, it's a failure. And I, I challenge each of you to think about this in detail. You are remiss as decision makers in this county if you allow us to go forward from many levels, from the traffic level, from the geologic level, from the threat to the drinking wells for Northbrook, the drinking water in Centerville, the drinking water of the people in Shrewsbury. Landfills always leak. That's why they put monitoring wells in. You guys are making the decision for this county, and it's your, on your heads alone to do this. We do not want to be another Flint, Michigan. And I want to see a hand. Who's for it and who's not? We're going to ask that question in the future. Where do you stand individually on this? This is more important than anything you could do in your term here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Teresa Earhart. My name is Teresa Earhart, and I live at 428 Shrewsbury Farm Lane. Um, I have a list of questions. I don't expect you to answer them right now. I will provide the list um, to um, Margie. Um, but I am requesting that this landfill, Midshore Landfill Number 3, be made an actionable item at your next meeting, and that these things are addressed. My questions are addressed, comments are addressed. These are some of my questions I would like answered. Who is on the Solid Waste Advisory Committee? Does the access have, uh, does the public have access to their meeting notes? When was this committee put into place? Was it put in prior to the very first level screening for solid waste disposal facilities? Was it put in place prior to the phase one report sent to MDE? We have knowledge about a consistency letter that my husband mentioned. And I want to know, I'm very confused, at what level of screening does the county normally issue a consistency letter to MDE. Okay, what level of screening? And were the constraints that were are mentioned in the latest 2015-25 management plan with the distance factors that my husband um, mentioned, are any of these things discussed at all? Did the county address these? Did the committee, the Solid Waste Advisory Committee, discuss any of this? Um, are we on the first level of screening with this plan? Uh, noting page 73 of the Waste Management Plan, what proof does the county have that they advise the public about this proposed landfill? prior to issuing the October 17, 2022 letter to MDE stating that this landfill is consistent with the county's long-range planning strategies uh, to provide adequate community facilities. I also want to note 
that the sign went up about two weeks ago. Is that in compliance? I have no idea. I also want to note that your notes from December 13th of 22 say that you have received the phase two geology and hydrology report in your minute notes. You want to hand that information? Back? I certainly do. We will Thank get you. it. Thank you, Ms. Earhart. Uh, next is Mr. Brad Dutton. Did I get that right? You did. Thank you. Brad Dutton, I live at 136 Gray's Pond Lane in Centerville in the Shrewsbury Farm community. I've been there since 2019. I've been in Queen Anne's community, or Queen Anne's County since 2007. And first off, I just want to say thank you guys for all that you do. You make it a great place to live and to raise a family. So thank you for that genuinely. Um, I share some of the same concerns about the uh, solid waste disposal facility that, that's being planned um, directly adjacent to our community. Um, specifically what David mentioned about the, the distance thresholds of being 2,500 feet from a potable water supply or wellhead. I can assure you that my wellhead is within 2,500 feet. Um, I've got three kids and a wife at home, so I'm, I'm greatly concerned about that. Um, and so I'd appreciate it if it was added to the next um, meeting's agenda. Um, and I just wanted to leave with one, one thought. Um, as a parent of kids, I try to instill a set of values in them. Um, one of those values is, when you make a mistake or you do something wrong, you stop, you, know, you correct it, and you make it right. And I believe that moving forward to this point is a mistake. I realize a lot of work has been done to this point. This plan was purchased a long time ago. Um, plans have been made, work has been done, um, but it's a mistake, and it doesn't meet the requirements set forth in this phase one screening. So uh, I just encourage you all to take an honest look at it, stop it if you find it not in compliance, and do the right thing. Moving forward, thank you. Mr. Dutton. Um, Anna Queller, did I do that? May I, may, I, may I speak at the end of the meeting, please? Sure. Thank you. Okay, so you want to wait till our last press and public comment at the end of the meeting? Yes. Please. Okay. Thank you. Um, Alex Queller. Good evening, gentlemen and Margie. My name is Alex Queller. I'm a, like, like Mr. Brad Dutton, I'm a proud citizen of Queen Anne's County. Um, for me, it's been, it's, it's a dream home, building a home on 129 Grace Pond Lane. Um, two years ago, we built this house in Grace Pond Lane. Um, at the time we purchased the home, we had no idea that less than 1.1 miles from the house would be a landfill dump. Probably the size, the width of 20 football stadiums, if I'm accurately guessing it, 240 feet high, taller than the Bay Bridge, right in my backyard. So for me, it's turned my world upside down. Turn the world upside down for my wife, for the other people in my community and the other people that I've met recently from some of these meetings that live on Burrisville Road and Harper Road. Um, the only thing I'd like to specifically ask the county to address going forward is, I think we can all agree from a layman's perspective, this location is flawed in many different respects. From a layman's point of view, to put that landfill where it's currently being planned, 
based off a purchase 30 years ago, it just doesn't make any sense. We can go through the reasons of, it's right in the middle, the, the traffic, the smell, what people in Northbrook are gonna see, the fact that it's that close to people's homes. I think it would really tarnish the county's legacy and the reputation by putting it in such, such a, bad, a bad spot. There's so much land in this county, so specifically I'd like to ask for serious consideration that the Queen Anne's County starts looking at other, other, other areas to, uh, to put this landfill. So I understand that it's our turn of the agreement and we have to make a decision in seven years. Um, but I, I understand that it may be important to let the public know as soon as possible because if it's still gonna go in that spot, the people that are directly impacted by it, we need, we need to make a decision do we put our, our house for sale right away? Because we can't sit here work with, for the next seven years knowing that this is happening and keep trying to fight it. We probably will keep coming to these meetings. We'll, we'll, we'll probably keep doing everything we can, but we don't want to. We know that there's better options. It makes more sense to put it other, otherwise. And i just like to ask for serious consideration and discussion about putting it somewhere else. So thank you. Mr. Queller, um, that's all that it's signed up um, other than Queller waiting till the end. Is there anybody else that would like to speak? All right, we'll close press and public comment. Commissioners, we can move into our planned presentations for this evening. So if you want to turn to tab number six. And first up, we have the uh, update from our county health department. We have our health officer, Dr. Joseph Ciotola. He's here this evening for the update. Good to see you, sir. Yes, it is. Good afternoon. This will be working. This will be a very short, sweet, and enjoyable presentation. Considering the ones that you've had in the years past for us. You're not right? going to say COVID. So, uh, <laughs> We don't mention the C word, gotcha. okay? Fair enough. Um, as we stand right now, we're getting ready for flu. We're doing our flu clinics. Flu vaccine will go through both commercial insurances through not only your private physician's offices, but the pharmacies as well as the health department. The issue with COVID Thankfully, we are still rated under the CDC identification as low occurrence, and we are seeing these periodic bumps. We're averaging anywhere from three to five positive cases per day, but it can bump up to 10. And this is the seasonal effect that we're gonna see with COVID like we have with flu. The Booster that is available now, both through Pfizer and Moderna, has been commercialized because of the cessation of the state of emergency from the federal side. So what this means is that your insurance company will be paying for that vaccine that is currently out there now, either Moderna or Pfizer. And the, I have to be politically correct sometimes, but the wisdom is that we get the federal money for the supplies, 
but we don't get the The department does not bill for our services. I think it would be certainly, let's say, not the most prudent financial decision to make for the county or the health department because people can go to their private physician and get the vaccine if they need it or the booster or the pharmacies. So if you hear people complain about why doesn't the health department have it, because I don't feel that we can financially do a good, a just job to the county as well as to the citizens of the county with that approach. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Where we stand for activities in the county, North County always appears to have the least amount of activity, especially in senior centers, school activities, and I really want to make a push for Make a Difference Day, which is going to be November 4th, from 9 in the morning to 1 p.m. on the 4th of November in Suttlersville. It's going to be at the middle school. And at that time, we will be doing flu shots. We will be giving out information on other services in the health department. There will be other county services and information provided to address the needs in our northern jurisdictional areas. So uh, when's that, what, what time? What time? I'm gonna give the, leave this with Margie, and it's gonna be from 9 a.m. to one, okay? Make a difference day. Zoom in. Sutlersville Middle. Got it. Centerville, or Sutlersville Middle School. The other thing after attending the senior center open house that we had in Graysonville, it's very obvious that we have a real absence of primary care in both the Graysonville area, especially for our seniors, as well as our underinsured or non-insured, as well as our Sutlersville area. Now, both areas are deemed federally for paucity of primary care. So the process that we've been working on is working with Chop Tank Community Health in Federalsburg and in Caroline to start transitioning and providing some primary care in both Sutlersville as well as now Graysonville. And I think the project that we're gonna work on this year is moving to get that primary care in conjunction with Chop Tank, since it would be federally approved to see if we can't get services for Chop Tank coming into Graysonville. This is a project that I think that the health department with our Department of Area and Aging and see what we can do to help improve access to primary care in our vulnerable population. So you're thinking at the senior center or the school like we did at Sellersville or what? We don't have room in the school. That's one issue. I, I, that's what I was going to get to. I don't think we have it there. Have, How about the community center? Well, that's what I'm working because Chop Tank has not done anything in a community center in Queen Anne. Right. And I want to see if we have to work through certain stipulations federally. Since we're doing it in the Sudlersville Middle School, 
I think the precedent has been set. We can do it in a county building, and I would love to set up having a nurse practitioner or even a primary care physician in the senior center at least one or two days a week. And we've been actively looking at hiring further nursing support for the health department, and we've been able to accomplish that, and we're actually now pushing more into the public arena, out away from the physical plan of the health department, but into the senior centers with our nursing and community outreach programs. The Mobile Integrated Community Health Program is staying active as it always has been. We've gotten in conjunction with Kathy Willis and the Department of Aging. We've got a grant that we were able to work with Kathy and the grant gives us money to use with our backlog of senior patient needs, such as home support, transportation, and by hiring the, and adding another nurse to our community outreach program, I think that we will be able to address the significant backlog need for support in our senior population not only in the Graysonville area, but countywide. So that'll be exciting to see as it goes along. Is there room for a, um, an NP to go into the Kent Island uh, Senior Center? Is there a quasi-clinic there? There's not a quasi-clinic. We could turn. Let me work on Graysonville at this point, because geographically, Anyone living in Kent Island could easily access if we can get this set up in Graysonville. Thankfully, we also have the urgent care from Shore Regional Health and the University of Maryland in the community site right there by the old Safeway. But I, I really do feel right now, especially after that meeting with the seniors, I think we need to do something in Graysonville more than the Kent Island area right now from the lack of access to primary care. So, and it's again a, a question of space. So right now, I think with the senior center, we have space there. And I believe that with the opening of the Y here in Centerville, they're actually gonna have a portion that will deal with aging, exercise, fitness, and health, which will also be an access tool that we certainly need. One of the other things that I'd like to let everyone know is that the Whitsitt Center has been able to move forward with getting the ability to not only admit, but to treat with medical protocol for those individuals who have substance abuse disorders, who have recently had a overdose, they can treat them at the Witsit Center. This is the first time we've been able to say we have in-house treatment for the addiction with either morphine or some of the other medications that are now being used and specifically try and get away from just the standard come get your pill and leave. Get your We're gonna try and do this in conjunction with therapy as well as medically managed treatment for an overdose. And right now, I think that's enough for our fireside chat. <laughs> I'm gonna have any other questions. I think that's it. I'll be glad to I don't think that's a record, isn't it?
Very good, Dr. C. That's a Appreciate that, yeah. That's good. Gentlemen, glad to see you're uh, feeling great. You look good, Doc. Cardiology visit was this morning and uh, doing okay. So we appreciate the blessing of God and a lot of prayers. Yes, sir. Because it certainly looked like that day on the 14th of June when I watched the monitor in the back of paramedic 300 go from a heart rate of uh, about 120 down to 30. And uh, I was still able to watch. And I said to the crew, Glad you got the pacing pads on because I think you may be needing them shortly. Sometimes it's a lot of it's, it's, it's a curse to know too much. You know that, right? Yes. <laughs> to be able to know what all that means is a curse. Quite self diagnosis, frankly. right? Yeah. Hey, after that, I kept quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, as always, Dr. Tola, thank you very much. Right. Thank, you. thank you, Dr. C. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, sir. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioners, our next present presentation is um, from Bill Cheshire. He's in the audience here. This is uh, he's requesting support for Clean Ann County's Day, and this is a new initiative to organize the first annual Clean Ann County Day on April seventh, twenty twenty four. Um, the objective here is to solicit volunteers from organizations to help clean up county roadways, waterways, parks, and other natural areas. And there is a detailed proposal in your book. Tab six, item two, pages two through 29. So, Bill, come on up. The floor is yours. You want to come on Please. up? Yeah. Thank you for that introduction. Absolutely. I participated with the Rotary of Centerville last spring in Project Clean Stream, and a dozen of us uh, removed about a ton of garbage from around the Centerville area. And when we were done, I went out Route 18 and realized that we've just barely made a dent in the overall project. <laughs> it's discouraging, isn't it? Um, the other thing I noted is that the project Clean Stream is organized by Chesapeake Alliance and Shore Rivers, and they did a really great job building a what's called a captain's packet, which addresses issues of safety, addresses issues of liability. There's a release form. Um, this form could be modified so that the county is held harmless uh, because this is not a safe activity. Uh, my first person I approached was Sheriff Gary Hoffman, and he sent me a letter uh, with, of support. Uh, what he and I discussed, this is actually a great PR opportunity for his department, because normally when the lights are on behind you, it's a bad day. You're picking up trash on the side of the road, you're happy to see him. Um, so Sheriff Hoffman, uh, the question, I, I've also spoken with the, uh, the Department of Public Works. I would like to use them to help us facilitate the bulk removal once the citizens gather the trash um, to the transfer stations. I don't know if your transfer station is normally open on a Sunday, um, but again, that would need your support. Um, Department of Parks and Recs, because they obviously are spending a lot of time and effort cleaning up and getting the citizens and for them to identify areas. Uh, the last one was the Board of Education. The Board of Education does not want to take responsibility for supervising children uh, on the sides of the roads or even in parks picking up litter. And that's fine. There's a ton of things that the kids can do. And one of them would be to create a, I guess I'm on the camera, uh, a flyer like this. And the flyer 
um, would be posted on places such as liquor stores, convenience stores, fast food outlets, because that's where the majority of the, uh, the garbage that we, we found on the sides of the roads. It's obviously people are throwing things out of their windows they don't want people finding in their cars, be it the police or their spouse. Um, <laughs> the uh, other thing would be important that I've, I've seen more and more is this QR code. And I think the community college level or even the high school level figure out how to get the QR code in here, how to set up a website. The kids can go around, take pictures of trash, geolocate it, uh, build up a database. There's a lot of knock-on opportunities here. Um, I would like to see the county's main department logos in here. Uh, Sheriff Hoffman informed me that the state roads, uh, such as Route 18, 304, um, 213, are actually handled by the state highway administration and, and patrolled by the state police as well. So uh, with your approbation, I will be reaching out to those departments and trying to get their support. Um, again, I've scheduled, I've suggested the first Sunday in April, the traffic is lightest on a Sunday afternoon. You want to go earlier in the year before the grass starts growing, the bugs and the snakes come out, and uh, it's really the best day to do it. Um, one item of support, I just brought this sample up. My daughter actually did this art for a fundraiser. But you want to wear a sweatshirt. You want to be, cover your body up. And you want it to be bright yellow. And depending on how many people we get, if we could produce sweatshirts and vests with the logo on here, uh, I think that would be very helpful. Uh, also, producing this flyer, producing a TV commercial on your uh, network, um, these are all things that we can enroll students of the county um, and really make this community worthwhile project. Thank you. So um, I, would, I would recommend reaching out to Kristen Weed with Ken Island Beach Cleanups um, because we did one of these about five years ago, maybe six, and I actually, along with two other people, cleaned up from Churchill out 213 to just short of Schrader's property or uh, Schrader's sign up there. Um, it's not that hard, but it, you do need a lot of lead time to get it done. So I would reach out to her. She's a great source. They're a nonprofit. They've been cleaning the beaches up on Ken Island and elsewhere. Ken Island, cleanup. Ken Island Beach Cleanups. And it's Kristen Weed is who you want to speak to there. Um, and she can probably give you a lot of pointers on how to get the information out. And she actually uses high school uh, kids. They have to sign a waiver independently. Obviously, the school system can't do it because of the liability. But... Uh, um, again, I'm sure she'd work with you because they do a big one in October this year, I think. I think it's October. I think it's the end of this month. It's called the International Coastal Cleanup. And that's where you actually pick your trash up. You uh, catalog your trash. It gets weighed so that they can get a, something predictory to go to your point about whether it's uh, uh, fast food trash, whatever your wife's not supposed to see, whatever that was. I don't even want to know what that one was. But, and, uh, yeah, beer bottles, beer cans, that kind of thing. So. Guilty. But, I mean, I threw mine in the trash, but it definitely, definitely gone before I get home, that's for sure. Anyway, uh, I, I was going to mention, too, you talked about the shirts. Um, we have some, um, some amazing businesses in Queen Anne's County that I'm sure would, would uh, love an opportunity, and I would work through our Chamber of Commerce to see if they want to do some sponsorships on the back of those sweatshirts um, to help raise the money for the purchase of the sweatshirts. So Linda Friday at the Chamber. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. We appreciate it.
right, commissioners, our, our next presentation is from the Town Council of Centerville. And I see uh, Charles Kugel out here. And uh, is anybody else coming with you? Eric? Eric Johnson? Oh, they're outside. Okay, come on up. Um, Chip here is the uh, town manager, and they want to brief the county commissioners on their upcoming plans to expand, replace their wastewater treatment plant here in the town of Centerville. Gentlemen. Commissioners, good evening. Right, gentlemen, how are you? Good. You're, you're going to see me now and then when we do the proclamation, so I'm going to switch hats. Double duty. Double duty. <laughs> exactly. Welcome. Um, we're very grateful for your time this evening, um, as you know, and, and we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves. Um, uh, so, of course, I'm Eric Johnson. I serve as a member of the town council. I uh, was just elected vice president of the council based on the results of the last election in our organizing session. I have a year left in my term, but learned a lot. I want to share some of that briefly that leads into what we're here to talk about. But before we continue, if we introduce ourselves. Oh, I'm Dan Worth. I'm a town council member. And as you know, Chip Kugel, town, town manager. So uh, without getting into a whole lot of storytelling with Eric, um, I know we have a brief amount of time. I did want to just share to kind of personalize why we're here, that when I ran for office um, a little more than two years ago, knocked on doors, I asked folks what they were concerned about. And there were folks that were concerned about our infrastructure. Um, we, we had a roads project that is very much still in the minds of folks and disappointment and how that went down. Um, but in part of my sort of readiness, um, I toured the town's infrastructure, and I will never forget how, how much anxiety I had after touring our wastewater treatment facility. Um, and, and asking questions, I'm a, a readiness guy, emergency management's my background, so when I look at infrastructure, one of my first thoughts is, what, how, how old is this? Past its shelf life? Um, you know, is it, if it's critical infrastructure, then what is our plan as a backup if this thing goes down? And what I learned very quickly is that we are well past the age and, and more than a capacity for this facility. And when I ask questions like, so who maintains this? How does this work? This facility is so far past its life that to get certain parts, I kid you not, our staff are going on eBay, Amazon to find things. So if you can imagine, I had a brief moment where I thought maybe I shouldn't run because <laughs> this is a situation we're gonna have to deal with. Um, so before getting into any other bullets, I just wanna say up front that I think the town of Centerville, regardless of who was elected at the time, comes to you sort of hanging our head a little low, feeling like, wow, we have put ourselves in a situation where we now have a priority that we need to, to execute. The good news is, and Chip's gonna elaborate on this, um, We've raised a significant amount of money for a wastewater treatment facility replacement. We want to work with the county in terms of any kind of joint comprehensive plan, MDE guidance, you name it. Um, and I know there will be more opportunity in the future in some work sessions, but we wanted to at least pose the issue tonight. Um, and uh, so I mentioned that we're at capacity. Um, it's engineered end of life. Um, and, and what I'll do is I'll turn it over to Chip to kind of talk about the, the price tag that we're looking at, how much has been raised up to this point, and kind of how we could maybe work together um, in some work sessions in the future. So appreciate your time tonight. Thank you, Eric. As Eric mentioned, um, we're significant ways down the road. We're working towards our uh, design, and the new PER has been updated to kind of show this. We've been working with the state, with MDE, with federal uh, with senators to try and secure funds, and we're just over $20 million towards a $30 million goal. 
the pieces that we need in addition to the engineering, the designs, are the administrative aspects that MDE is going to look at. Two of those that are critical are the comprehensive plan for the town, which is in the process of being finished up and updated, which will capture this new need and footprint, and the comprehensive water sewer plan for the county, which is really what we're queuing up for you, is MDE is going to look at those two documents to say, this isn't just an off-the-cuff program that you're looking for money for and trying to do. This is part of the county's plan. This is part of the town of Centerville's plan. So we wanted to make sure that you are aware that this request is going to be coming in this month with the, with the formal application to amend that document to take us to a million gallons a day. We are currently at 542,000 gallons per day, which is a good amount, but it's also at the capacity of our farm. If we were to seek to buy another farm and simply upgrade, n nobody wants to sell us a farm that's, that the appraisal would match the asking price. So that's a challenge there. So we were seeking other discharge options, working with MDE and have some strongly promising possibilities. The other part of that is if we were to do just a modest upgrade to 750,000 gallons per day, the, the, the delta between 750,000 gallons and a million gallons per day is about four to six million dollars. Whereas if we did a soft upgrade to 750,000 gallons, you're looking at 20 to 25 million dollars for that plant. And then to try and rectify that and ad advance again to a million gallons, say 15, 18 years from now, you're looking at another 18 million dollars. So the, the, the cost-benefit analysis at that point is unworkable. There's no way the town could, could resource that twice in that period of time. So in working with the state and working with the feds to secure the funding and, and the desire of the council is that we go for a million uh, gallons per day. Um, some have said, well, why don't you do 1.2 million? The flow is just not there. The biology doesn't work at that point. So this is what we're going to come to you with. I know there's an information session prior to the, the public hearings on that amendment, and we can delve <coughs> deeper into details with you then, but we wanted to bring that to your attention. If there's any documents or things you'd like to look at, um, if Todd and I are, are going to, we're talking about having some regularly scheduled, scheduled meetings that can, we can provide those documents or, or if you have any questions, just reach out to me directly or council member. And, and two important takeaways, of course, are one, we're, we're not just looking out for Centerville. Um, the county is a very important strategic partner of ours. and. Um, the county has a significant footprint, obviously, here in the town of Centerville. So as we look at things like a new uh, public uh, schools office, central office, uh, we want to make sure that we have the capacity to support these buildings and any future growth that the county may see in terms of um, facilities. And then the second takeaway is, I've already said this multiple times in our public settings, um, public meetings, that if the lifespan of these facilities is approximately 20 years and we're in the middle of replacing one and expanding now, then the second we have the funding and we break ground, we're going to put a committee together to start working on the next one. Because I refuse, and I think I share a perspective among all five of us as council members, we don't want to bequeath a different scenario than that to future council members. So uh, we want to improve our partnership with you as commissioners and the county and do anything we can to, to really just be good partners. So we appreciate the opportunity. Dan, do you want to offer anything? Or? Um, yeah, so I guess what, just to reiterate what, they, what, what Chip said, you know, what we're asking for is a, you know, an amendment to the county water and sewer plan. And it's mainly just some text changes that would better describe what we have planned for our wastewater treatment plant. Um, there's no map changes that we're requesting. So unlike most other amendments, there's, we're not asking for expansion of um, 
the sewer service area because it's already been approved for the municipal boundaries and we don't have any annexations in the works, so. That's what we got tonight, if you have any questions, and if not, we'll. Mr. Chip, you said um, about the farm. Yes, sir. I'm assuming you're alluding to spray irrigation? Yes, sir. And you, did I understand you correctly? You said no one wants to sell you a farm? We have reached out to a number of, of local farmers, and it's the, the prices that we've been quoted uh, are cost prohibitive. Yeah, you, what? Uh, we're, you know, we need probably in the area of 300. Um, I think we're at 279 in our existence, and that would depend on the uptake of the field with testing. Um, and the other parts of that, sir, are that when we talked to MDE about a spray field, we talked about different variables and different uh, opportunities for discharge. We were able to divorce the discharge discussions from the plant capacity discussions because it was holding up any kind of design because we were trying to buy a farm first before we could move forward, further delaying things. And in one of the seminars that we went to in discussing things with MDE was that with climate change anticipating more and more frequent and heavier rainfall, that spray farms were gonna become kind of a dinosaur, a, a more challenging, because when too much rain, we can't spray. And so we can't discharge, it ends up going into the Corsica. Um, so we want to avoid in a way that's suboptimal, I'll put it to you that way. So the, the farm issue then becomes another, a secondary matter of the cost to run the piping to the farm, where you're talking about, in some cases, a million dollars a mile. Um, and finding a farm nearby was a challenge. Some have easements on them, furthering the challenges. So it, our, our, our footprint or our available footprint for exploration becomes very, very defined and very uh, unmaneuverable. Gallons per day will 300 acres. I think our current farm is 279, um, 279 acres, and that was about 542,000 gallons per day. And we do some stream discharge uh, during the cooler months from uh, December through March. So if you were able to get a farm 300, 400 acres, would it, uh, and you take that cost into effect, on the back end, would, would it, would you need to, could you make the plant, the expansion a little bit smaller, therefore less expensive for solids? So the, the farm is a part of it. Um, it is, it's not an insignificant part of it. It's perhaps 20% of it. And so you're still looking well over 20 to $25 million for the plant itself. Uh, it's, you know, the farm becomes uh, problematic. It has to, if, it can't be just any farm, it has to have the uptake. There are some that, if you look on one side of 301, there's a farm that would be fantastic. And on just on the other side of that road, too much clay and the uptake's just not there. And that becomes part of the challenge. We've been exploring a number of different discharge opportunities predicated on more advanced filtration, which is really the big thing is you wanna eliminate uh, your solids and you wanna, you know, you've probably been briefed at least some point on PFAS and different things that there are concerns about from an environmental perspective. So we're looking at that. There are mechanisms now that we're exploring for our filtration that virtually your nitrogen and phosphorus are non-detectable. Um, I think uh, Queenstown has a similar type plant. So we're, we're not just looking to 
discharge waste. It's what is the enduring solution? What is the enduring outcome that benefits the citizens and the county with their needs uh, from a municipal government? And what does the enduring footprint look like from our discharge? Thank you all very much for your time tonight and we'll be having of course further dialogue and even more information to share thank you all we'll look forward to receiving your application then for the you. comprehensive water sewer plan amendment process you're welcome yep. thank you guys all right commissioners we can move into our uh, scheduled Action items this evening. First, we have the Department of Public Works. They've got uh, three items. So, gentlemen, if you want to come on up, we have uh, Property Manager Dave McGlashan, Chief Engineer Lee Edgar, and Roads Engineer Shane Moore. So, first, uh, if you want to turn to tab two for Public Works section in your books. First up, we have um, tab two, item one, pages one through six. We have a, a couple of surplus vacant properties in the community of Southern Kent Island that I believe Mr. McGlashan has uh, contracts for sale so they can be added to the adjacent land or the, the adjacent home sites in that community. Um, Dave, you want to elaborate on that? Sure. Well, I was had two homeowners reach out to me about these uh, properties that the county owns that we acquired during the ski phase one project. Um, we acquired them through donation for zero consideration. Uh, when the July 25th, at the July 25th commissioner's meeting, uh, I brought it to you. We approved uh, to surplus these lots to adjacent property owners. Uh, pretty small market, market uh, as far as uh, the surplus of these lots go because basically they wouldn't do anybody any good other than someone that was adjacent to these properties. But be, that being said, I had uh, two people reach out and uh, and we drafted contracts of sale to <coughs> surplus these two lots. And in doing so, they'll be required to merge these properties with their, their home lot. So, this, so what you're saying, Scott, just so mm -hmm. I understand, is that this will become one? That's correct. Okay. They can't, they can't build right. another house on it. Right. They cannot. Uh, it goes back onto the tax rolls, so the county now gets tax dollars that, for that land. Correct. And then the money that's being used that is going sort of public benefit that it gets to for the people who live in Southern Canal and Canal Estates area. That's correct. We so need a market for, so for no improvements. So houses and money back into the community. That is correct. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Thank you, Counselor. Just to simplify it for everybody. <laughs> Before the conspiracy train starts, think of that. They're going to build apartments on that quarter acre down in Southern Canal Island. That's not what's happening here. Okay, I move to approve the contracts of sale for the vacant lot located off Roman Coke Road to be consolidated with 103 Virginia Road in the amount of 7,500 and the vacant lot located off uh, 559 Talbot Road to be consolidated with 561 Talbot Road in the amount of $10,000 and authorize the chief property manager to execute these contracts. Second. I have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? All right, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. Sorry, I called you your father. <laughs> You've done, lot, done right? it before, Commissioner. It's okay. You know, Dave, as you get older and older, you look more, and more like <laughs> you look more and more like. Please accept my apologies. No, no problem. Okay, thank you, Commissioners. He confused you with Mark. I mean, that could be Mark. Yes, that's true. That's true too. What's his business card saves? Retired. Don't ask me for anything. Something like that. Something like yeah. that. It's yeah. something along these lines. 
<laughs> Classic. Okay, moving on, uh, commissioners, we have uh, item number two on pages seven through 12. This is a, an agreement with the Maryland Geological Survey for groundwater well monitoring. We've been um, partnering with um, MGS for a number of years, um, back since 2000, to uh, monitor a network of observation wells, uh, 28 individual wells across the county to provide insight and availability of groundwater within aquifers that serve water supply and irrigation needs of county residents. And this is a, a five-year contract, so um, ranging from $9,210 in year one up to a total of $10,370 in year five. So could I get a motion on that? Move that we accept the proposal from the Maryland Geological Survey for groundwater monitoring for fiscal years 2024 through 2028 in the total amount of $48,920. Second. So we have a motion and a second. Does anybody have any questions? Any comments regarding this? Standard operating procedure? All right, all in favor? Aye. Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. Uh, next up, we have uh, tub grinding services. That's uh, item number three on pages 13 and 14. But first, I think we have to convene as the Sanitary Commission for this item, right? Move to convene as the Sanitary Commission. Second. Sanitary Commission. Okay, thank you, commissioners. So the Roads Division is recommending awarding the FY24 tub grinding services to Martin's Excavating and Hauling of Centerville, Maryland in the amount of $120,772. And they had a competitive bid for that services. And that would, uh, they would provide brush grinding services at the five county transfer stations. You want to tell us a little bit about it or? Motion, yeah. Well, let's someone read the motion. Mm -hmm. I move to award the FY24 tub grinding services to Morton's Excavation and Hauling LLC of Centerville, Maryland, in the amount of $120,772. We have a motion and a second. You want to tell us a little bit about what this is? Sure. Um, over the course of a year, uh, Citizens bring in their yard waste, tree limbs, everything like that, and get stockpiled at the transfer stations. And once a year, um, we do tub grinding services where all that material is, is ground up into mulch and hauled off-site to end-use markets. So, is it, um, so it's almost like a, a chippers, they're just feeding it in? Large like, piece of equipment that they drop everything into, it just grinds okay. it all up and spits out mulch. Are we selling it, Mr. Shane? No. You don't want to sell this stuff. <laughs> we tried selling it, we've tried giving it away um, over the years. Um, it's, it's know, not as good as commercial it. mulch. It's not screened. Um, it might have a little bit of trash in it. It has poison ivy. This stuff goes off and gets used possibly as landfill cover or something like that. Or some landscaper might want it somewhere and try using it for what they want to use it for. Yes, they do. Somebody doesn't like it. will use it. But citizens do not come and buy it. And citizens don't want to come get it. It is available for folks. Moore mentioned it's um it's it's not like you would get at your uh, you know at the hardware store you know bagged mulch treated so there are bugs and it's oversized chunks of some of the finest queen anne's cranny critters you can ask for <laughs> and not even mention that got their own name seeds seeds from from weeds and stuff you probably don't want in your in your garden anyway okay anybody any other comments okay 
Uh, we have a motion. We have a second. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? So moved. Thank you. Boy, that one just, you guys, are we awake? I'm excited about that one. Yeah, you were undecided? Just <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that is all we have for uh, public works today, I believe, gentlemen, right? Is that it? I think that's it. All right. Unless you have any other questions for these gentlemen, we're good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. much. All right. Now we can move into our regular uh, action items. Um, if you want to turn to tab number three, we have uh, 11 action items, one desk item, and item number five. I did get a an email th this afternoon from Heather Tonelli. She wants to withdraw item five. That was an EDIF uh, disbursement for chain reaction. They're gonna rethink their project proposal, maybe look at some different space, so we will table, uh, remo remove item five from the agenda this evening. All right, so uh, action items this evening. First up is a proclamation 2347, National Fire Prevention Week. On page one. Yeah, Bill, you guys wanna come up? Are you giving him straight? Hmm. Yes, she is. <laughs> so for our massive viewing audience, please introduce yourselves. Uh, Dawn, you first. Dawn Starkey, I'm the office coordinator for the Queen Anne's County Fire and EMS Commission. And I'm Bill Faust, chairman of the Fire and EMS Commission for Queen Anne's County. Thank you for your volunteered services. I'm here to read the proclamation for fire prevention week or month. Is it week or month? This is the week, but it is all month long. All month long, right, okay. So, <clears throat> proclamation 2347, whereas in 1922, the National Fire Protection Association founded National Fire Prevention Week to take place the week of October 9th, commemorating the date of the Great Chicago Fire in 1871. Whereas Queen Anne's County government is committed to ensuring the safety and security of all those living in and visiting our county. And whereas Queen Anne's County Volunteer Fire Department first responders are dedicated to reducing the occurrence of home fires and home fire injuries through prevention and protection and education. And whereas working smoke alarms cut the risk of dying and reported home fires almost in half. And whereas the Queen Anne's County Volunteer Fire Departments encourage all residents to embrace the 2023 Fire Prevention Week theme, cooking safety starts with you. Pay attention to fire prevention. And whereas year after year, cooking remains the leading cause of fires and home fire injuries in the United States. And whereas Queen Anne's County residents should turn pot handles toward the back of the stove, always keep a lid nearby when cooking, keep a three-foot kid-free zone around the stove, oven, and other things that could get hot, watch what they heat and set a timer to remind them that they are cooking. And whereas residents who have planned and practiced a home fire escape plan are more prepared and will therefore be more likely to survive a fire. And now therefore, the Queen Anne's County Board of County Commissioners hereby proclaim the week of October 8th through the 14th, 2023, Fire Prevention Week throughout Queen Anne's County. And we urge all the people of Queen Anne's County to check their kitchens for fire hazards and use safe cooking practices and to support the many public safety activities and efforts of Queen Anne's County's Volunteer Fire and Emergency Services, signed to Queen Anne's County Commissioners. Thank you. So, quick question. Where are we in terms of smoke detector, um, making sure people are compliant? I mean, I, I, I always railed when we had to get the mandatory sprinklers in the homes, and, you know, I, I get it, it's for firefighter safety, and that's all good, but 
We've had laws as long back as I can remember is that you have to have operating smoke detectors in your house. Who checks that? We have uh, fire marshal. Residential is the fire marshal when they do it. But other than that, it, you just go and rely on the homeowner asking if they want to be checked. Um, we provide smoke detectors for anyone that's in need of one. Um, each, each fire station in Queen Anne's County has some. Uh, we get approximately 30 cases of smoke detectors a year from Dunmore Power, and we distribute them to the fire departments. Plus, when we're out to the 4-H fair every year, we have them to give away to people that come up and ask for one, that they need one. And if they need it, we take their name and number and we install it for them. Everybody out there hears that. There's no reason to have a faulty smoke detector in your home. The fire departments will come and take care of that for you. But that means you have to test them every month, which is what is standard operating procedure on your smoke detectors, and replace them every five, years. Ten, years. ten years. Every ten years, you replace them regardless of what they look like. So. Yep. And there are dates on them, so you know when the ten years should be Right up. inside the tab, you yep. open them up. Yep. That's our PSA for the week on fire prevention week, right on smoke detectors. Thank you very much. You Thank you guys for all you do. Thank you. I get Thank the you. liaison to that commission, and it's going uh, do a lot of good work there. So. See you both. Thank you. Are you decorated? All right, commissioners, item two on page two, while we're doing proclamations, we have proclamation 23-49. This is for National Veterans and Military Families Month. And I believe we have a few representatives here. Yeah, Mr. Eric Johnson, come on up. And uh, veterans. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Thank you. Commissioners, good to see you again. Different hat. Um, we'll introduce ourselves. And in the meantime, um, Midshipman Phillips, if you could bring in the U.S. Naval Sea Cadet Corps, Maryland Division. We uh, invited some veteran uh, and military and their families to, to be with us tonight. We're hoping that uh, after the proclamations read that we can get a good, good picture with you all and, and with the folks that showed up. So, And our future generation of military, I think, are uh, the most important guests that we have here tonight. So uh, just to introduce ourselves real quick. Um, I know you all know who I am, but this hat that I'm wearing now is uh, that of having the distinct honor of serving as the executive director of the Center for the Military and Veteran Family uh, based on Ken Island. I'm Joe Kittendeller. I'm the chairman of the, vet, uh, the Veterans Group in Stevensville, and we'll be back in about two weeks to talk to you and brief you on what we have accomplished. I'm uh, John Minnick. I'm uh, a board member. I'm also a member of uh, uh, an officer at uh, Post uh, 278 of the American Legion. And I'm a, um, a Marine. I'm sorry. Hoorah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, of all nights for Jim not to be here. I know. Uh, veteran and, and. Good evening, gentlemen. I'm Maggie Thomas, and I'm the development director with FAMSA. Wonderful. If you don't mind, we'll invite the uh, folks that are uh, in the hallway to come in and join us. Maybe kind of stand behind us, and we'll right. turn it back over to you. <laughs> Tight walkway.
appreciate your uh, patience as we uh, have some of our guests and family members uh, come in to join us. And we're very grateful for the folks that were able to come tonight. We, I think, have folks represented from every corner of the county here tonight. So we appreciate the opportunity to be here to be part of the proclamation. So we'll turn it back over to you, gentlemen. Ready? All right. <clears throat> proclamation 23-49. Whereas the residents of Queen Anne's County have great respect, admiration, and the utmost gratitude for all the men and women who have selflessly served our country and this community in the armed forces. And whereas the contributions and sacrifices of those who have served in the armed forces have been vital in maintaining the freedoms and way of life enjoyed by our citizens. And whereas the Queen Anne's County seeks to honor individuals who have made countless sacrifices for freedom by placing themselves in harm's way for the good of all. And whereas veterans continue to serve our community in the American Legion, veterans of foreign wars, religious groups, civil service, and by functioning as county veteran service officers to help fellow former service members access more than 272 billion <clears throat> in federal health, disability, and compensation benefits each year. And whereas approximately 250,000 service members and their families transition to civilian communities annually with 50% experiencing high levels of stress during this transition. And whereas an estimated 90% service members that deploy for military operations experience or witness traumatic events and at a higher risk for developing PTSD and many are at a high risk for suicide during their first year after military service. And whereas the National Association of Counties encourages all counties, parishes, and boroughs to recognize Operation Greenlight and Veterans Day, as well as National Veterans and Military Families Month. And whereas Queen Anne's County appreciates the sacrifices of our United States military personnel, veterans, and their families and believes specific recognition should be granted. Therefore, be it where, well, I think we have an extra word here. Uh, whereas execution of Operation Greenlight shall kick off Queen Anne's County's official time period in which residents may salute and honor the services and sacrifices of our military service members and veterans. And whereas in operate, in, sorry, observance of Operation Greenlight, Queen Anne's County encourages its citizens in patriotic tradition to recognize the importance of honoring all those who made immeasurable sacrifices to preserve freedom by displaying green lights in a window of their place of business or residence from November 6th through the 12th, 2023. Now, therefore, the Queen Anne's County Board of Commissioners will partner with the Center for Military and Veterans Families to promote and celebrate veterans Veterans and Military Families Month for all of November 2023, signed by all the county commissioners. Thank you very, very much. Cats, quick, could we get a picture? Uh, sure. So, real, 
sorry. I actually got a question for you. So about, uh, again, this is going back to something we did a few years back. Um, I want to say it was five or six years ago. We had a program here uh, during, uh, around the time of Veterans Day that we actually had citizens volunteer to go out and help a veteran at their home, whether it was clean up the yard, trim trees, or is there any plans to do anything like that again? Or? So the good news is we should have information like that out imminently. We're working with all the legions, the VFW, a couple other organizations to try to synchronize a calendar around everything that's planned for the month of November. So, and we're coming back, I think it's about two weeks, does that sound right? Um, and so we'll, we'll get you that information the second we have it, but then we'll be able to talk in detail uh, in about two weeks. Okay, just because that's the end of the month, I'm thinking if we could get it out maybe earlier to Beth, yes. uh, that she could get it out circulated if, if we're looking yes. for volunteers or something like that. Absolutely. That, so. so I promise you we're, okay. it'll be imminent. Perfect. Yes, sir. Did you want in the picture? Yes. Yes. Everybody but Chris. You <laughs> 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 read the proclamation. So if all the veterans, uh, military family members, veteran family members, and of course our sea cadets would come forward, we'll squeeze into this shot. Actually, we've done this before. We're just cast members. Yeah, right here. So. We're the extras. Squeeze on in here. We've been in enough pictures, you guys need to get them. <laughs> Stand up on the top there by the clock or what? The overhead. I need a ladder. We ready? And Phillips, we heard himself saying. See, cadets, you're allowed to smile.
All right, commissioners, moving for on. Yours. How fitting. Our next uh, action item is for the um, Independence Day fireworks contract for 2024. So we have uh, Director Steve Chanley uh, coming up here. So we, uh, the Department of Parks and Recreations has once again coordinated the fireworks celebration at the Kent Narrows Exploration Center. Uh, Zambelli, uh, again, would be our, our choice to do the show. They've done an annual show each year the last several years. Great job. Uh, and they've agreed to, once again, uh, Tuesday, July 4th, 2024, with a rain date of July 5th. So could I get a motion? Uh, co contract cost this year is $54,500. Can I get a motion? Um, oh. I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to execute the fireworks contract with Zambelli's for the July fireworks celebration to be held on Thursday, July 4th, 2024, with a rain date of Friday, July 5th, 2024, in the amount of $54,500. Second. We have a motion and a second. Um, I remember I, when they were only $25,000. Yeah, I know. Every time we get this, Steve, it's like... Wow, that number keeps going up, and I get it. It increased. Yeah. Uh, a 9% um, increase. So I thought we talked about, although, gentlemen, I thought we talked about the possibility of a private dual partnership. Maybe get the local businesses who benefit, um, you know, from it, specifically the Narrows, to see if they would kick in. No, nothing. Okay. Well, we also talked about we also talked about the either doing it uh, smaller, smaller on both sides, right? Yeah, that was also a, something that came up. Uh, doing uh, a small show on the north side of the Narrows and on the south that always seems to be at the same time. I think would be pretty big show. Both big sides. Show, yeah. Lots of fireworks. Anyway, uh, something to consider. The site for this would be a determining factor of how to how to do that. I know in years past, you know, and before we shot them off at Ferry Point, we shot them off on a barge. Barges, you know, can be a little, little shaky at times. You know, there's no doubt I've seen, you know, um, on occasions where um, there have been, unfortunately, accidents because you're, you know, still. Ferry Point is actually the ideal location. But they've do. done them. At, I mean, they've done them on the, I mean, I remember years ago when they used to do them North and South side up uh, uh, one night. After, well, one night after the next. They, one year, I remember taking my kids up there. They had them on the South side one night and North side the next night. So, I think it's something that we can definitely evaluate going forward. But I think for this year, with the, the new project that went on at Chesapeake Visitor Center, I think that's a good little way to show people that the new work that's kind of been done there too. So, that's true. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Any other questions or? No? All right, so we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. <laughs> Opposed? You sound excited about fireworks. He's like just, such a letdown here, right? I just, I mean, man. He I, wants more fireworks. 90% increase. Right, I wish so I could do that. In nine, nine, nine. Nine. It's a nine. unanimous. Nine per unanimous. year over four years, right? I mean, we were, I literally were 25, what, a couple years ago, right? Three, four years ago. We were at about I can put a cost on freedom. You can't put a cost on freedom. But I can on the fireworks. <laughs> Freedom's still free, but the fireworks aren't, so. <laughs> you know what, but let's, I mean. I'm over it, I'm over it. I'm, I'm, is, is, I'm is over a good it. thing, but, over it. but it, uh, at the same time, you think about the 4th of July and, and the fireworks and, and all the events that go on, specifically with the, the new opening of um, the, the Heritage Center and that area there, this is a great kickoff. Uh, and so there's a tremendous amount of value um, 
to, for these fireworks to take place. Keeps um, going up. Not, not that we, going down the we, gas station we can't, buying fireworks. You know, take a look at the costs, and, and unfortunately, I hope the day comes that we don't have to downgrade the, the quality of the show because of the expense. But just, just to keep everybody in mind, a few years ago, it was about $35,000, and then discussion came about about making the show bigger. A bigger show means a bigger dollar. And that's how we got to the $50,000 um, level. And now this year was just, you know. That guy's awesome. not here. <laughs> yeah. Also, also, yeah. yeah, you brought this in the right night. It was also getting it on July 4th was another increase. We had sometimes just we had it on the Saturday, regardless of the date. It was on the Saturday, and that was cheaper if it wasn't actually on. And that the actually got held because we were the only ones that did it in the COVID year. Right. And they had no work, so they came here and did it on the 4th. Right. And we've had it ever since. Um, just remember, Robert's rules of order uh, say that absence is consent. So Mr. Rand voted in the affirmative. <laughs> Mr. Director, to his point, where would they be uh, on the south side at the, um, where the Waterman's um, dock is? No, because what you have Beyond to do that. is you have to have 100 feet um, yeah. per inch. Show. So could we? They're out in these. Like that idea? Can we investigate? Investigate. It's dumb. Well, dueling. Well, you know, to your point, you can look at having it, you know, out on the water. But now you're going to incur another cost of getting a barge out there. So, you know, there's a there's a balance. But I mean, we can take a look at it if that's something that you guys are interested. But again, I, I agree with James. It was a good idea. It's a good kickoff for the visitor center. Mm -hmm. And then maybe as we go into 25, you know, that's an option. Let's get some of those for, for the following year, see what the cost would be so we can look well, at Well, if that. you can, too, do some outreach up there and see what the local businesses think. Right. Maybe get sponsors to kind of help. Right. With that's, the, that's what I'm saying. Pay the cost. Yeah. Right. Get them on board. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You could set them Get them on board. Yeah. Private-private partnership. Uh, P3, I'm all yeah. about those. Yeah, public-private partnership. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you guys. That? I'm not in the neighborhood. Thank you, gentlemen. I'm going to get kicked off that committee. Thank you all. Thank you, guys. <laughs> all right, commissioners. Uh, item number four on page eight is our character counts spotlight for October. Ms. Jennifer Parks. The spotlight is recognizing Mattapique Elementary School teacher Jennifer Parks. Um, I'll, I'll read that. All right. Um, so if you're not familiar, um, the Character Counts community decided to change the format a little bit about um, recognizing and reading the, um, the pillar of the month. What we've decided, uh, what the Characters Counts group decided to do was to recognize some of the folks in our community uh, that personify those, those six pillars of character, uh, obviously this month being trustworthiness. So this one is uh, dedicated to um, Jennifer Parks, and I'll just go ahead and read this. The Character Counts pillar celebrated in October is trustworthiness. Being trustworthy means being honest and accountable, doing what you say you will do, and being a person that can, can, can be counted on to do the right thing. We need to trust others every day and often do it almost without realizing it. For parents placing trust in someone to care for their children, uh, can be challenging. However, this month's honor stood out and makes parents feel comfortable placing their trust in her. This month, we want to recognize Mattapique Elementary School teacher Jennifer Parks. Ms. Parks has taught first grade at Mattapique since 2020, and the um, nominating representative was uh, Jody uh, Peria, who is a parent 
uh, of a student uh, who has Ms. Parks as a teacher. Um, when leaving uh, my child with her, I knew that she was caring for each and every child as her own. Carrie Minton, the principal of Mattapique Elementary School, added, Ms. Parks' sparkling personality creates such an awesome atmosphere in her classroom. Everyone demonstrates achievement. Ms. Piera ended her nomination of Ms. Parks, stating she is a phenomenal educator, and I feel so lucky to have her and her impact for my child's early childhood development. Character Counts and the commissioners would like to thank all the teachers and staff of Queen Anne's County Public Schools, who we trust to not only provide a quality education for our youngest citizens every day, but also to show compassion, care, and dedication. So Ms. Jennifer Parks, thank you very much. All right, thank you, commissioners. Uh, the next item, item five, we're gonna pull that from the agenda. So we'll move on to item number six. Item number six is the Rural Legacy Grant Agreement for Foreman Branch and Land's End. And uh, I believe uh, Donna Smith is here uh, this evening. So we have the FY24 Rural Legacy Grant request. They were submitted in January. Funding was approved by the Board of Public Works. Just shy of 1.4 million for Foreman Branch and just over a million for Land's End. So this will give us the ability to uh, preserve approximately 612 acres of prime waterfront land, woodlands, and natural habitats. Good evening. Good evening. So I will make the motion. Jim's not here, so we normally alternate it. But <laughs> I move to approve and execute the former branch and lands and Royal Legacy grant agreements for two million four hundred thirty-seven thousand three hundred and ninety-nine dollars. Can I get a second? Second. All right. We have a motion. We have a second. Any discussion? Anything you want to share with us that's sure. particular about this? Yes. This well, particular one. First and foremost, I would like to say that I am very, very pleased to introduce Joe Pippin. He is going to be my successor. Uh oh. So I'm super excited. He's been working in the office now six weeks. Yeah. Roughly. Months, yeah. So I'm going to let Joe tell you a little bit about his background and where he comes from and like I said I am super super excited to have him um, he has just been a valuable asset to me in the last six weeks Joe oh, real quick Joe I, yes, I, I, the only reason I said uh oh is because we knew this day was coming uh, she's been telling us this for several years now yes. I thought we said she's not allowed to leave for a long, I, long time I didn't, did any of you get the notice uh, about this we didn't I approve didn't, her leave all nothing no nope. sorry I met with HR yet <laughs> More years, yes. we'll talk about yes. it then. All I can say is those shoes are like this big. Yeah, big shoes. <laughs> I was going to ask this to your feet. <laughs> Joe, you, look, right, we'll you look up to the there. task. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, Joe Pippen, first of all, thank you, Donna, for the kind words. Joe Pippen, um, I was with PNZ as a zoning inspector for eight years. So now here I am with Donna doing uh, mouth and rural legacy easements. Um, also, and yeah, and sediment permits. permits, right? Yep. Come from a family farm. My grandfather started a dairy farm uh, back in 1950s. Uh, the family farm that we have now, my great-grandfather bought it in 1954. We still farm it to this day, grain farm. Um, still run the combine during harvest season for my dad, run the tractor. Um, back in 2020, as we said, these programs really hit home for me because back in 2020, we were able to sell our easement or gain an easement through mouth on one of our farms and 
um, gave us some farm insecurity, um, smart growth for our farm, gained some more tillable land that's prime value in this county. Um, and also it's really not about the money, it's more of heritage for my kids and my family. You know, my kids might be able to build a house and farm that farm one day. Um, I look forward to working with you guys and I'll see you around. So do we have a departure date? Uh, I have 24 months. So okay, 24 good. 24 months. So, so, this so will, in this two will years, end. Joe will be so up to speed, yes. we're probably not even going to miss you? Uh, no, you won't miss me at all. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, that will give us the opportunity to go through two complete easement cycles yep. with both rural legacy and mount. You're learning from the best. That's right. Well, and this year, with the money that Todd enlightened us about through rural legacy, it's $2.4 almost $2.5 million dollars. That's twice as much as we normally get for this program. That's going to give us enough money to do seven farms through Rural Legacy. We generally get one to two, maybe two. We're going to do seven. And mouth. I was um, saying, how's the second bite at the apple looking on that? Um, well, mouth. the first round, we were able to secure $4,574,861, which was 1,198 acres for eight farms. Second round, we got two additional farms for 592.6 acres, 2.2 million. So we ended up with $6,851,216. 10 farms from Mouth, seven farms through Rural Legacy. That's more than we've ever done in the last 20 years, ever. Awesome. For a total of 2,402 acres, $9,288,615. Almost 10 million bucks for a $1.3 million investment of county money. Where'd it get us for Carroll County? Where are they at? Yeah. I, no, Did I don't know what they got just, Hey, look, year. I don't care about yeah. the overall anymore, year to year, though. Yeah, I, I'll have to get back to you. I don't know. But we slammed the other counties, slammed them, literally. And we will get um, our piece of the $95 million in probably April. So I'm looking for anywhere 10 to 15 farms in that round in April. So we're going to... Man, we're just killing it. And I, that's why I'm so grateful to have Joe. He has been a, I, I just cannot tell you how much help he's been to me already. Yeah. Be good. So Welcome the, aboard, Joe. For the Thank sake you. of our viewers, could you share with them how this works? And the, 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 I'm looking on page 18, the, the people's names. How long do, how does it work? And okay. how, long, how long do they get to stay there? Can, does it go to their kids? Does it go to their grandkids? Okay, the How answer much taxes is... do they pay? That type of thing. Department of Natural Resources created the Rural Legacy Program back in the 70s. <coughs> um, we started out as a county with one rural legacy area, and that was, it was formerly known as the Chino Farms area, which is now our foreman branch area. And we held public hearings to see if anyone be, would be interested in rolling their farms into an easement. And Department of Natural Resources focuses on environment, environmentally sensitive areas, ecologically challenged areas, forest land, non-tidal wetlands, tillable land. They want to keep the farms as farms, taking the development rates away from them, but they also want to protect the natural resources. So the focus areas generally are waterfront. And when we started getting a lot of interest in the Foreman Branch area, there was a second area established that was lands in, and that started with Conquest Farm. 
and that was 682 acres. And we had public hearings once again and established who was interested. So you basically hear from the landowners. They call the office. Hey, I would like to put my land into land preservation. How do I do it? We meet with the landowners and we give them the criteria of what they can and cannot do on these properties. And then it becomes word of mouth. You know, oh, my neighbor put it in. You know, I want to put my farm in. And the money comes from program open space. Program open space is funded through the recordation tax in the state of Maryland. Every county pays a fee when they record marriage licenses, deeds, mortgages, um, deeds of trust, everything. So part of that money goes specifically to program open space, which that gets divvied up into multiple programs and Rural Legacy is one of those recipients. So how long can this, how long can that person stay there? on the property uh, easement runs with the land so if a, if a property owner puts their farm into an easement and they pass away sell the farm or the next generation inherits it that easement stays so with they the can, farm they can sell the farm absolutely they can yes the easement runs with the land that encumbrance stays with that land so but there's it. only one payment one time and that's it which the if they sold it, the person they're selling it to doesn't get that. It's no, that's the, correct. It's the initial. That's correct. It's to preserve it as a farm. If, if they don't sell it, can it go to their children? Absolutely, sure. So, and then their children? Yes. And it's just and just are, think are of they, it as it's attached to the land, just like so any other. How is their tax scheduled? How is their property tax scheduled for that? To tell you the truth, there's not a really a big reduction in farm value after they put an easement on the property. And generally, if they sell the property, it's to another farmer or another investment that wants to farm it and have it farmed or hunt, you know, whatever that desire is. So if the if, if the if the buyer, if the, if the property owner goes into this easement, are they paying taxes yes. as the years goes on? Yes. And if they grant it to their children, their children will pay uh, agricultural taxes. Well. Correct. Now, you're, you have to remember on a farm, the part of it that's an agricultural use gets taxed as agricultural use. Any residences that you have there still get taxed as a residential lot. Right. So it's not over the entire property. It's not over the residences. It's just on the agricultural land. So this uh, example of Land's End. Mm-hmm. I, is there a property owner there, or is it just land? Is there a house there? Um, the three properties that we have in Lands End, um, one of them has one of them has a house. The other two are just vacant properties. Okay. So, uh, I, my question is, on any of these properties that we have uh, put easements on. Mm -hmm. Can any of them be turned into a public park for the sake of the, of the Queen Anne's County taxpayers? No. Why? Because the easement is to protect agricultural land, forest land, and ecologically sensitive areas. Could, would there be a possibility moving forward on any of these 12 farms you're talking about? Could no. any of them? There's no public access permitted on these properties. It's in the easement. There's no public access. That's just the nature of the program. Basically, you're being, is there a you're different program that would work to allow us to have a park up county? 
you would have to probably buy a property and the landowner would be willing to make that transition, but I, it would be whatever zoning would allow. You know, as far as easements, there are program open space easements that do that. They do um, playgrounds. They do um, trails. You know, there's different programs that do facilitate those public access properties. We had, yeah, so we had a, a motion, we had a second. Um, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. Donna, as always, thank you. Absolutely. We'll be back in January to ask for some money. Okay. Don't forget about me. Board. <laughs> our commissioners, our next item, item number seven on pages 49 through 50 is from our Queen Anne's County High School FFA chapter, and they are requesting uh, a little bit of money. Uh, I have some representatives here. Uh, they're gonna come on up. They're uh, planning on attending the National FFA Convention in Annapolis, excuse me, Indianapolis this year, October 31st through November 4th. I believe you have a dozen folks that are gonna attend. Total cost of the trip is just shy of $20,000, and they've been doing some fundraisers and they're not quite there yet. So um, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what you're looking for here today. First of all, introduce yourselves. And, yeah. Um, my name is Alyssa Crosley, and I'm the president of the chapter. I'm Ava Price. I'm the Sentinel. I'm Madison Branham, and I'm the secretary. Good. Welcome. Yep. Tell us about this trip. Um, so from October 31st through November 4th, we have 12 um, members going to Indianapolis, Indiana um, to participate in our FFA National Convention. Um, so there are many different um, opportunities for the students to learn about different opportunities in agriculture through our career success tours that are available there that we will be taking, um, National Days of Service, and student leadership workshops. Yes, we also have a college fair that allows us to see different college opportunities through the agriculture and even beyond agriculture. And where there's just many opportunities to learn about what you want to do with your future and how you want to proceed with your life. So tell me a little bit, or tell us a little bit about the fundraising efforts that you guys have endured to try to get to where you are today. So every year um, we do our snow cone booth at the Queen Anne's County Fair. Um, that's probably our biggest um, fundraiser that we do. Um, we also um, have a fruit sale in the fall that we do every single year. Um, that's another big uh, one of our fundraisers. We also have our t-shirt sale and um, our silent auction at our banquet. Good. I'm going to make the motion, but you guys know the rules, right? You've been around long enough to know the rules. You got to come back here after you're back with pictures and stories, and you got to come and tell us all of them, right? Okay. I move to fund the Queen Anne's County High School FFA chapter in the amount of $8,079.89 to allow the FFA chapter to attend the National FFA Convention in Indianapolis, Indiana, from October 31st to November 4th. Second. So we have a and so so what's we went right from preserving farms to the future people that are going to farm those preserved exactly. farms. So good that, segue. So right. that was a good so job. Very good. Marty sets up our agenda, yeah. so she gets credit for that one. On that one. So we have, we have a motion. We have a second. Any other questions or? I just wanted to say I was fortunate to attend the 50th. I hate to ask you what year it's on now, but I went to the 50th FFA meeting in Kansas City. And it was a blast. And we took a bus. <laughs> it was a long ride. 
<laughs> but what what sticks out, what I what I remember the most was um, is the rodeo. Yes, the rodeo it's very was fun. fantastic. It was it was in the uh, the stadium inside. It's great. So real quick, how many kids do you think will be convening uh, uh, in Indianapolis for this? Thousands. Best guess. Sixty thousand students. Wow. All right. We have a motion. We have a second. All in favor. Aye. Aye. Opposed. So moved. Have fun. Enjoy your trip. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, commissioners. Uh, item number eight on pages fifty-one and fifty-two is a memorandum and a schedule from uh, Finance uh, Director Jeffrey Rank. This is for our FY25 budget schedule, and very similar to last year's schedule. Today being October 10th, approval of the FY25 schedule. So before we dive into this, can I get a motion? I move to approve the FY25 budget schedule. Okay. All right. Jeff, before we vote, go ahead and, boy, that's, I've already add, added these into my calendar on all three of my phones, so uh, let's um, try to stick to this. All right. Well, now you just made it fun. <laughs> There's a couple I'd like so to move. I can't make this one. <laughs> you, guys didn't have any, you guys didn't have any changes, did you? <laughs> um, no real changes from uh, last year's budget schedule. We did add um, one item near the top in December. Um, a few years ago, we had a, a budget school for um, some training for uh, some of the um, department uh, budget folks, uh, get them up to speed on the software and uh, how to go about making um, new requests and such. So we've re-implemented that. Um, otherwise, it's pretty much the same schedule uh, we've been following for several years at this point. So any hope that we'll have the Board of Ed number earlier than the first night we got to go to a budget hearing? I'll do my best. <laughs> we do we hold out hope every year. So just say yes, I hope. I, I'll do my best. Lots of hope, but probably not results. Yeah. We'll, keep, we'll keep working on that. We have been you know, meeting with the Board of Ed uh, more regularly about their capital plans, so we are engaged with them. We've already started talking about some other capital needs, and uh, so we'll, we certainly understand the, the need to get those numbers sooner versus later in the process. I'm not blaming them, as you know that. It's, no. And, and, and uh, obviously the, um, the, the budget work sessions uh, start on March 28th. That uh, will be taped on QAC Channel 7 so our citizens can watch that process. And then I'll remind everybody that on May 20th, the 21st and the 22nd, we actually do the, the public hearings, Bayside Elementary School, Centerville, and then at Sudlersville. Do we do, are we doing public comment on the workshops or no? Because we used to. Do we still do it through, via Zoom if it's uh, Zoomed, I mean, if it's Zoomed in? Do you remember? Public, you mean, public, public comment? comment at the work sessions themselves. Because we, we, we allowed it, the first few years I did it, nobody's really showed up. We, we certainly can take public comment at the work sessions. They're public meetings, they're open public right, meetings. Okay. We don't usually get a lot of attendance just, at those. I just know a lot of people. Like we I certainly explained can. the other night that you can use the TV to comment to us too. So mm -hmm. we can certainly uh, do that. Okay. Any mm -hmm. other comments or questions? All right. We have a motion. We have uh, a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. And opposed? All in favor? I just have a change. Dodge that bullet, didn't you? Mm -hmm. You don't have to get changed a single thing. <laughs> All right, commissioners. Thank you. We have. Uh, 
three budget amendments up next. So item number nine on page 53 is budget amendment CC15, animal control insurance claim. And this will establish budget authority in the amount of $16,225 for a replacement animal control vehicle that was in an accident uh, last year. And they want to use those funds to uh, find a replacement vehicle. Move to approve budget amendment CC15. Uh, no additional county funds are requested. Second. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, budget Amendment CC16 is for the sheriff's, sheriff's Office. They received a Governor's Office of Crime Control and Prevention Police Accountability Community Transparency Grant. They budgeted $300,000, but they received $396,184. So this amendment allows them uh, the additional budget authority of $96,184 to match their grant award. So no county funds involved. Move to approve budget amendment CC16. No county, no additional county funds needed. Second. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Aye. So moved. Hey, commissioners, thank you. Our last budget amendment is budget amendment CC17, also for the sheriff's office. Again, they received a grant from the Office of Crime Control, Prevention, Police Recruitment and Retention. Uh, but this grant um, was budgeted at $69,501, but they only received $25,000. So this actually decreases their spending authority to by $44,501 to match the grant award. Approved budget amendment CC 17, no additional county funds requested. Second. We have a motion. We have a second. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Our last item is uh, desk item number one. This is Thanks, a support Jeff. letter uh, for the Backpack Healthcare Program. This was received by Mike Walsh from Capital Strategies. And this is, uh, they're submitting an application. Um, uh, for the Backpack Healthcare, it's a service provider grant under the Community <coughs> Supports Partnership for uh, Maryland Community Health Resources, and it provides uh, high-quality cultural, intentional mental health services to children and families across the Queen Anne's County. Get a motion. That one, Councilor. I move to execute the letter of support for Backpack Healthcare for their grant application. Second. We have a motion. We have a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. And opposed? <coughs> so moved, Marge. Thank you, Commissioners. That is all of the action items for this evening. I will note, and I'll just um, thank you all again. Uh, my, my mother did send a thank you note, her card, for the flowers that she received for her uh, little illness she had, but she's uh, doing, doing very well, so we appreciate that very much. Well, if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't have you. <laughs> yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner, um, can we let Miss Anna speak? We've got press and public comment. Yeah, we got press and public comment. Yeah, we're getting there. We're, we're get, yeah. it's, on, it's on your agenda. It's on your agenda. <laughs> yeah, so that is all the action. No, Patrick. So. She, sat, she could, didn't speak the first one. She can't speak now. No. <laughs> we're going to check and see if anybody else signed up. You did. Say you wanted to go first. And you saved the sheet. For too. the second session, I did save the sheet. Right. So we are ready. So, what else signed up? You, you already read it once, Todd. We're good. All right. Press and public comment. 
Anna Queller, you're up. Hello, good evening. My name is Anna Queller. I live at 129 Grays Pond Lane in the Shrewsbury Farm Development. And my topic is Midshore 3 this evening. I thought it was important to speak at the end because I wanted to make sure everyone knew that we're not going away. I want to make sure this is the last thing that you hear this evening so you go home and think about it and dream about it like I have for the past two weeks. Um, as you know, MES submitted a disposal permit application to MDE to operate the Midshore 3 at Harper Road on land that the county purchased 30 years ago in 1991. A lot has changed in those 30 years. In order, to in order for the permit process to move forward, the county had to provide MDE a letter affirming that the site conforms to the county's zoning and land use requirements and the county's 10-year solid waste plan. As we heard earlier, the county provided that letter in October 22. The letter is flawed. The Harper Road site does not conform with the county's 10-year solid waste plan. It does not pass the first level screening requirements in the plan, including that the site is within 25 feet of a well, multiple wells, but it only requires one. The plan directs DPW and zoning to conduct a preliminary review of the Harper Road site. What were the results of this preliminary review? Where are the results of this preliminary review? What and where are the results from further review? The Harper Road site does not conform with the county's 2022 comprehensive land use plan. The land use plan indicates that the county will continue to assess the feasibility of the siting of Midshore 3. What were the results from this feasibility study? Where are they? The county zoning code does not allow for solid waste facilities anywhere in the county. As we heard earlier, Chapter 18 provides a process by which the county can grant an exemption, but there's a process that must be followed. If this exemption was granted, where is the written consent of the county administrator? Where is the written determination by the county that no reasonable alternatives exist? Reasonable alternatives do exist. Have you assessed the feasibility of purchasing a parcel of land off 301 away from residences, more easily accessible to the other counties? The county's own 10-year plan provides some other options. Expansion of the Midshore Group to include other counties, work with Delaware to establish a system for the entire Delmarva Peninsula. What were the results of the exploration of these options? Could Queen Anne's County and Kent County work together to come with a, up with a 40-year solution? Even if this public services exemption existed, it would only be an exemption from the Land Use and Development Code. There is no exemption for the 10-year solid waste plan, and it also has to comply with that. I'd, I'd ask that we, the public get an opportunity to be heard on this, that we get to hear what you guys have to think about it at an actionable agenda item. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else who would like to speak? All right. Please, step up. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, my name is John Schaefer. I live in the Shrewsbury Farm neighborhood. And um, I'm one of the people that fall within that 1,500-foot uh, circle, right? The 2,500-foot uh, and 1,500-foot from, from a well. Uh, by my calculations, my well falls the closest, as best I can tell, looking at an overhead view of the neighborhood. And I just want to, similar to everybody else here that, that is also affected, make an appeal to reconsider the location based on the uh, considerations for the groundwater, 
uh, as well as uh, the, the visual considerations for a 240 foot high mound that I submit would be visible from Northbrook, from Centerville, potentially from the Bay Bridge. Uh, if, you, if you look at that site, like the height that, that it would need to be to accommodate all the trash required, this thing is enormous. And I encourage you to, to do some visual projections of where you're gonna see that in, from the county. Um, from where in the county you'll be able to see that, that pile. Um, and, and so for, for that reason and, and numerous others, I just ask you to, uh, to reconsider. Anybody else that would like to speak? Dale Burns, I also live in Shrewsbury Farm. I just want to plant the idea when you start looking at other alternatives that uh, Kent Island, people over there are concerned they can't bring trucks across that bridge downtown to get here, so they have to go way up and off. This site's not very practical for them. There are um, significant uh, properties available in North County where the, the gravel pits are. It seems like it's a very natural solution. It's already being disrupted and all. You got a, a deep place to start from. So take that into consideration as part of the, a broader area plan, not just for this county, but for Kent going in the future. They were not part of the original plan. So now that they're part of it, we need to take a back up and take a bigger view. What's good, what's gonna work 40 years down the road, 80 years down the road, rather than just a, a little piece over here. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Again, anybody else that would like to speak? All right, we'll close press and public comment, and we'll go into roundtable. Patrick? Um, well, a couple of weeks ago, um, I had the pleasure of going to the 40th anniversary of the Whitsitt Center, which is in Kent County, and uh, there was a great turnout both from people that are in the, uh, in the treatment program and graduates <laughs> who were there 20 years ago, 25 years ago, five years ago, on how the, the, the treatment system saved their life. And um, Brian Moratz showed up. So um, he's with the state uh, health department, and I had a a uh, really good conversation with him out in the parking lot. So I'll just leave it at that. Yes. So good, good things are happening and um, we're, we're, we're looking to expand it. Uh, let me see. Kellen High School has their homecoming this weekend. So um, I hope all of the kids enjoy their homecoming um, and that uh, parents take some time to sit down and discuss with their kids homecoming and how to be safe on homecoming. Um, I have a teenager who goes to Queen Anne's County High School and I know how teenagers are. Sometimes they don't always make good decisions. So um, not that I'm saying that about my daughter, but have a discussion with your kids. So that more likely it's about you. Yeah, more likely, <laughs> right. But it's important that you have those discussions with your kids. Don't so do that what daddy as, did. As they go, don't yeah. do what I did in high school. Um, <laughs> but as they go into homecoming, that they make smart decisions so that they can enjoy homecoming and that they can have memories that they can talk about from homecoming. Um, because unfortunately, sometimes bad decisions are made at homecoming that have life-altering consequences. So enjoy your homecoming. Be safe. Just got one thing, go O's and give us one more night. <laughs> I guess the advantage of chairing the, the, the meeting is you get to go last on roundtable. That's right. Um, 
So uh, I, I just want to remind folks um, about the Make a Difference Day, November 4th, that was shared with us um, that's taking place at Settlersville Middle School. Um, you can actually reach out to the county ride uh, in advance to get some transportation to that event if you'd like to go. Um, and there's all kinds of different services and things that they're going to be offering the folks that want to attend this. So um, also, if you'd like to volunteer, they do need help for that event. Um, reach out to uh, queenanscounty.org forward slash uh, Queen Anne's County Make a Difference Day if you want to volunteer and help out. Um, earlier, I read um, the commissioner's characters count spotlight person, which was Miss Jennifer Parks. But just a little public service announcement. If you believe that there's somebody in the community that needs to be nominated and considered for this, um, you can reach out to, um, you can nominate a, um, a business or nonprofit or individual in the county if you feel they should be recognized for the good that they are doing in Queen Anne's County by visiting the Queen Anne's County Character Counts website, and that is www.peopleofcharacter.org. And that's all I have. Can I get a second for the motion? Second. Okay, all in favor? Aye.